one of them is that uh, much of our zoning historically has been to sort of uh, control things by proxy, where mm -hmm. we were trying to limit density, uh, mm -hmm. we were trying to maintain character we were worried about. This is Steve Sherlock for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. This session of the radio show shares the audio recording of my conversation with Joel DeRico, Melanie Hamblin, and Kobe Frangillo. Joel, Melanie, and I were in the Franklin TV studio on Wednesday, January 18, 2023. Kobe was fortunate to join us for almost all of the discussion via phone connection. Consider this as a continuation of the downtown zoning discussion from the Franklin for All project which is underway with review and discussion at the Economic Development Subcommittee that, coincidentally, Melanie it chairs and for which Kobe is vice chair. We were joined by Joel for this session to include his insights as a lifelong Franklinite, a property owner, and a former town councilor. I think you'll enjoy this discussion. It's rather healthy and runs about 56 minutes, so let's listen in. We're here. Thank you for coming today. We're about to have a great discussion on zoning and housing. And Melanie, you take the lead. You're the you're the chair in this for uh, this one. Always the chair. Um, thank you, Steve, for having us today. Uh, I hope a lot of people listened to the last the last <coughs> podcast. We talked about inclusionary zoning, and um, people under you know it's always helpful when we start to learn and understand from each other, so we can uh, join together and. and go on this journey that um, is it not always e an easy thing um, a lot of times it gets very complicated but uh, it's really important I think it's really important for us to listen to each other to understand why things are the way they are and how we can change them to make things better mm -hmm. right? yeah. so there's a African proverb that I picked up when I traveled once upon a time there if you want to go to some place quickly, you go alone. If you want to go to some place and really get there and stay there, you take others with you. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> in order to go where we really need to be, people have to come with us. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that's going to take conversation. That's going to take time. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right. So, and, and, thank um, you for doing this. And well, thank you for giving us a way to reach more people. It's really important. So, um, so one of the things that we we've been talking about a lot is, you know, the f through the Franklin for All project, the downtown rezoning. How do we get the amount of uh, the density that we need for the MBT community? Uh, you know, we can we can change things by right, but there's other there's other parts of the zoning that's really restrictive, and it makes it so that even if we change um, how many units per acre by right. You, you still can't do that because of these other um, zoning restrictions that we have. Um, so we've, we've heard people talk about how we can't replace what people like. There is so many restrictions uh, and, and it's like the math, max impervious coverage and the setbacks. Uh, one of the things that we need to talk about that, that can help us achieve all the goals and, um, but we have to understand um, what, what they are and how do we change them how do we make it re a reasonable change how do we allow the building to be built but we don't um, make it so that the neighborhoods are look a certain way that we don't want them to look um, and it's so like it's aesthetically pleasing to people you know and, and we look at the MB MACP the, the zoning diagnostics and you'll see if you go back to this page that came the, this document that came out probably a year ago I think we kind of forget about it once in a while you know the, the max impervious coverage are they say they're um, overly overly onerous for a downtown area mm -hmm. yeah and 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 that's in in general resident five and single-family residence four like in and I think that's like the structures and the paving, how much percentage of the lot it takes up. And I, and I just think that people need to understand what it is, 
and what are the actual suggestions that we could change it to? Mm -hmm. Because we could talk forever about it's not going to work until so now we need some suggestions. Right. And in comes Joel Dorico, um, who who actually he does he emails me not regularly, but when there's a problem like this, he's paying attention, and he um, he thinks about it. Mm-hmm. And he actually says, you know, I've been thinking about this. Here's actually a pretty good suggestion. Mm-hmm. And maybe we change it to this. Right? And so that's kind of the, the that's sort of what I wanted to talk about today. Yeah. No, that sounds good. <laughs> that's, that's ideal. Yeah. Yeah. And Joel, since some of the listeners, many, if they're Franklin residents, been here for a while, may recognize the names. Others may not. Just a short, quick Intro, I'm, I'm, I'm who I am, et cetera, et cetera. Well, my name's Joel DeRico. I've lived in Franklin all my life. I'm a third-generation Franklin resident. My grandparents on both sides of the family came here in 1900 from Italy. Okay. And uh, I'm lucky to say I've never had to move. I can. A lot of my classmates from the class of 69 <laughs> uh, have had to relocate in different parts of the country because mm-hmm. of their employment. Sure. But I haven't had to. I've been lucky. Because I've developed here in Franklin and had travel agencies in Foxborough, and life has been good. Happily married, two nice sons and daughter-in-laws, twins in Newton, and a grandson coming in June. Ooh, so, cool, nice. So we got a, you know, good setup. Yep. Nice. So I appreciate Melanie, you uh, inviting me. Um, I uh, served the course on the council over 20 years ago, and. We used to be the special permit granting authority mm. at that time. Way in the beginning, yep. and I remember uh, the BJ's out there on uh, West Central Street was zoned business. Yeah, and there was some folks next door that weren't happy about it, but it did get voted, and now all the people in that neighborhood go to BJ's. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so that's zoning. Yeah. Right. Right. That's zoning, and I've always enjoyed zoning because I've been a real estate broker for about 37 years, and zoning has its benefits, it has its rules and regs, but it also has areas in this particular case with uh, inclusionary. There could be some areas, like you had said, that need to be adjusted to accommodate the incentive for developing Mm -hmm. inclusionary. Mm -hmm. I draw off of the fine job Brian Taberner did on the housing production plan yes. two years ago. He mm-hmm. did a tremendous job. I wasn't able to find out or ask how many hours he spent on it, but it is, <laughs> it's quite detailed. He and the team did a lot of work, yeah. I know, at least from... And it, and it came out very well. Yeah, it did. And it got accepted by the state, which... It got accepted is, by them. ...is key, because it, what we've also heard, and I, I know it's mentioned council from time to time, a lot of times things get submitted to the state and then they'll return it for corrections, additions, modifications. We've had a, a record of it getting accepted on first submittal, right. which speaks to the quality of the work being done in the by him. By him yeah. and, and, and the his committee. Team. Absolutely. Yeah, right. They, they're amazing, aren't they? I mean they're they're great. And so the planning board and the council has endorsed it and embraced it. Yeah. And I just uh, I've been following your ED meetings on this uh, tweaking and adjusting and inclusionary. Mm -hmm. I've been following. I watch when I watch, when I can watch. I don't connect or participate, but I watch and I enjoy it. And I see see that you're sailing the ship through different areas and you're going to make some changes. But on page 37 in Brian's production plan, Mm -hmm. He highlights uh, solutions, uh, incentives right. for affordable housing yep. by right, as long as the incentives have met, sure. as long as the inclusionary requirements are met, uh, neighborhood character, yeah. mm-hmm. that's the building, that's what the building would be part of. And, sure. and yeah. So I appreciate what he did and, you know, he identified the shortage of the housing here, and the housing in Massachusetts, and we're in the high-priced uh, uh, county, 
mm-hmm. not far county. Sure. Because we're part of Greater Boston yeah. formula yeah. in terms of uh, median and 80% and so forth. Yeah. So, you know, $2,000 for a one-bedroom apartment, and I realize it's new construction, and it's got marble, and they're luxury, and people pay the price, but there are others that just can't grab for that 2000 Oh, right. No. And, um, you know, and that's where this comes in. And I think that's why Governor Baker initially tied in the half a mile for more housing from the train to the more you have of something, hopefully the price stabilizes. Hopefully. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's the goal. That's what the goal is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that picks, too. And Kobe, you might want to chime in there in regards to some of the themes that you've been advocating for from kind of the strong towns backgrounds and other places around the mobile transit oriented, um, the pieces that we already have. I'll let you fill in the rest. Yeah, I mean, I think as we talk about uh, needing to provide home options for different people and different types of residents in Franklin, uh, including, you know, we we especially highlight how our our young professionals uh, aren't able to find homes in Franklin anymore, and and our older population is either moving out of Franklin or staying in homes and not allowing, you know, an evolution of our uh, population, Um, you know, as we're looking to provide those different housing options, um, we want to do so in a way that, uh, A, doesn't further add to our uh, infrastructure uh, expenses, um, for, you know, requiring, you know, large road and sewer and pipe uh, build-out, um, and B, is actually um, affordable in a way that, um, you know, they're typically smaller units, they're typically within walking distance of some alternative forms of transportation that don't necessitate car ownership or as much uh, car usage um, and so you know, as we're looking you know into different affordable housing strategies we're centering most of that in our downtown um, you know, which has the benefit of doing both of those as well as supporting um, a, a, a thriving and vibrant And I know one of the other pieces, and I think this tees up the conversation as we've kind of done the intro pieces, but you had done a bike ride around, (laughs) highlighted some of the existing buildings that already are in kind of the Franklin character, the Franklin nature of what we've grown to love and like and live here with. And yet the way the zoning is, unfortunately, if any of those houses, unfortunately, or any of those buildings, put it that way, were to disappear for whatever reason, the zoning would not permit to rebuild that specific piece, which we already know. And again, that goes back to the building codes came in after, I think it was 80% of downtown actually was built. Then the building codes came in. So yeah, this is why we're going to (laughs) tweak because to a certain extent it's fine, but to redo and thereby continue and address some of the pieces, there needs to be something changed. Well, I own property, uh, Steve, on the corner of Summer and Winter Street. Okay, yes. Um, I bought it 16 years ago. It was zoned General Residential 5. And uh, I built a building 11 years ago behind it. Yeah. And I tried to mirror the architecture as best I could of the building up front. And they came out, they come out. It's nice. It's a nice corner spot, and there's right. some parking there, and I'm sure parking might be one of the pieces. <laughs> well, I'm <laughs> going to mention. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. It could, but it's a, if people haven't seen it, it's, it's a good example, I think. It's yeah. General Residential 5. Mm-hmm. I have 18 units there. It's a 30,000-square-foot lot, and it's one dwelling for 1,666 square feet. It's 60% coverage. 40% green. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you get a piece of property that it is general residential five, and I'll use this desktop as an example, right now you can only use 35% of that lot. I was going to say that, so, so that's like, that's the important thing right now, what the impervious coverage is, 
versus what is actually doable. Usable right? space. Well, I had to apply for a second special permit to, to increase the uh, impervious coverage, but you know, you've as as Brian Taberner indicated about incentives for affordable. You, you might want to tweak that 35 percent and bring it to 60 or 65 percent mm -hmm. because 40 to 35 percent green is still healthy, and then you can get your your building with the units. I have one and a half parking spaces for the 18 units. There are 27 parking spaces mm. on the site. And when you have one bedroom apartments, the majority of the tenants are single. So how many, here's a, so, here's a question for you. So you have 27 spaces. For 18 units. For 18 units, how many cars are actually in your, I always take up those Basis. Melanie, I always have somewhere between seven and nine empty spaces on site where visitors can park. And in okay. the last 11 years that the new building has been there, I've never had anyone's parking on Winter Street. Okay. So we've been able to hold on, and it only really works in the one-bedroom formula. Sure. Yeah. The one-and-a-half spaces. Right. If you go into two-bedroom units, you've got to have two spaces because it's probably going to be a couple. Right. And everybody has wheels today. Right. You know, um, I understand the proximity to a train station, but you can't ride a bike in February in a snowstorm if you have to go somewhere. It's usually best to take an automobile. It's a little bit, it's a little more difficult. But, definitely. so, that, that yeah. model that I gave you on my place, yeah. 47 Summer Street, one dwelling for 1,666 square feet. If you look at the site, and I invite you, all of you, yeah. Colby and anyone else, uh, to look at it, the 60-40 works. Mm -hmm. So So do you think, well, let's go to Colby. Colby, you yeah. wanted to? Yeah, I think, I think it's a perfect example, um, and, and I really appreciate you bringing it up. And I, I just wanted to clarify a few uh, pieces on that. One is, um, a, I think most people you would look at it and it, a you would you wouldn't even think that it stands out. It's a beautiful uh, structure. Um, it's something that you would want to desire uh, in your downtown, and it's not currently uh, able to be built. Um, and, and one note on, uh, on on what zoning regulations are doing is we're saying the minimum, right? So we're not uh, prescribing the amount that has to be uh, developed. That's a great point, Kobe. Also, um, it's it's about giving the developer or the builder the ability to know their their market and to know and to be creative about it, right? So, mm -hmm. um, you know. But I think if if Joel had to follow the thirty five percent impervious coverage, he couldn't have built this. It wouldn't thing. have been built. And so that's right. And so that to me, that's like. This is what this this re very restrictive impervious coverage um, zoning does. It restricts. It actually makes it impossible for us to build the buildings that we want to see built. Mm -hmm. And um, so, I mean, th this these are the things that we definitely have to talk about and change. And I think we have a really good suggestion right now that. To, in a good example of a 60% to change this 35% to 
to 60%. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to clarify, because I think we're talking about utilization of the lot. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we're also talking about impervious coverage, which in some cases it's related, but it's really a separate number. Mm -hmm. And right. in, in my simple mind, to the extent that, you know, look at a wall with dials, you've got some dials you can turn. Right. Depending upon where you turn the dials, that's where the product comes out. Right. Right. So currently it's kind of turned to the dial that we can't do what we need to do or you can't make money, which not that you're going to make a billion, but <coughs> you need to make some money in order to make it viable. Right. If we tweak the numbers, then it becomes a viable solution for you to build and then for the people to utilize. So That's it, Stephen. Yeah. The two separate numbers, the utilization of the lot, which yeah. I think even when Joe Halligan got up at one of the prior meetings, yeah. he mentioned the same piece that, you know, the space he was allowed was insufficient to... Actually build the building. To build the building. If yeah. you're going to acquire property that's of any moderate or decent size for a, a project, you're going to spend a million dollars at least on the land. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying that people would buy three different houses. To combine. And then have the, the assemblage of those lots. Right. And then if you can only use 35%, it's counterproductive. Right. It, it effectively right. raises the cost of yes. what he's trying to build, which right. then exactly. makes it in, uh, not productive. For affordable. For affordable. It, well, for and that's where livable. The, and that's, <laughs> that's where the incentive comes in. Right. Right. You know, can, we, can we just clarify that point? You know, one of the reasons why this is of even greater importance, it's always going to be true, that uh, um, our dimensional requirements and restrictions on zoning are limiting our ability. But now we're talking about adding even further requirements where you have to be offering a certain number of unit that, units uh, to be affordable. That makes it even harder to make a right. project uh, financeable, which is why it's even more important that we actually make sure that our dimensional requirements are allowing projects to be financed. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, when I built the second building in 2011, we were climbing out of the 08 mortgage meltdown. Correct. Yep. And subs were plentiful. Lumber prices were very reasonable. Sure. Yeah. And today, it's a different uh, everything is shipped on a truck, and the price of diesel has raised the price of everything. Sure. That's never, the never mind the other supply chain issues still coming out of COVID, so, et cetera. So yeah. housing, the costs today are much different. Right. Um, I visited with Maxine maybe two months ago. I showed her my rent roll at 47 Summer Street. She's the only one that's ever seen it. Okay. Um, I'm way under 80 percent. I'm not going to say what it is, but I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm way under 80% of the median mm -hmm. for my people. Sure. And a lot of that has to do with the fact when I acquired the property, it was a different price. Right. And number two, the lumber costs and construction costs were a little it. bit different. Sure. So to be able to produce affordable housing, and I think inclusionary is great. We should have done it years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, just like we should have done the CPA years ago. I know, I know. But be that as it may. <laughs> That's behind us. Now we're right. going forward. Right. At least we did it. Yes. We did it. Yes. Yep. Better late than never. Right. But as far as the uh, the costs, uh, you you uh, a person that like me, because I own three acres of general residential five land that's not built on right now. It's a whisker outside of the half mile, and I'm not concerned about that. But I'm going to produce affordable there. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be greater than 10%. I understand that you start with 10%, yeah. right? which is a good start, and then if somebody says, well, geez, I want to come in with X amount of units, and I'm going to increase the affordable to 25 or 30%, yeah. mm -hmm. well, I think based on what Brian wrote on page 37, yeah. that person should get an incentive. For what he's doing by producing, right. by going over the minimum, right? By going over the minimum. Yeah. You yeah, know, I mean, so if you go up to twenty-five percent, then like that's when forty R comes in, and we talked about forty R at one of our right. EC meetings, um, and how and and that sort of that development is sort of a, a cooperation between the town and the builder, and it's right. just a mm -hmm. feel-good thing. Town gets some benefits out of it right. too. Yeah. More yeah. of a special case, and uh, if I recall that meeting, I think it summarized that it's probably better for us and the developer to do that specific project 
as a special zoning opportunity as opposed to create 40R yes. and then not necessarily yeah. have people use it. Yeah, it's like a it's a spot zoning, a legal spot zoning. Well, when Mark Bobrowski spoke, and I know Mark from a long time ago, yeah. um, he's the doctor of zoning, so yeah. to speak, mm -hmm. and um, he said that the 40R is out there. It's just you have to re, you have to apply for it yeah. on a case by case yeah. basis right. after say Jamie signs off on it mm -hmm. and then it sits in Boston for what did he say four to five months maybe yeah. before they anoint it right but that's a good one yeah. that's another good one yeah you know mm -hmm. and um, you know all of this is all good but there's just a couple of adjustments Melanie mm -hmm. and I yeah. think I brought up the coverage yeah. Right. Yeah, so be, as we get to that, kind of, we're, we're stepping through the process. So the two numbers, the coverage, what would be your recommendation for, it's currently 35, 50, 60, at is least, there a sweet at, pot? At least 60, Steve. At least 60? And if a person, and, and and if a person came in with more affordable, you could put it to 70 or 75. That could be part of the equation. If you're going to do this, do that. If you're going to do this, then this is kind of the minimum requirement. That makes sense to me, but this is part of the discussion that will continue to go forward. So I just wanted to get that number. Because the more units, you can spread those construction costs right. over the units. Yep. Correct. And that helps justify the reduced rent. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, it's got to so balance. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. No, I know it has to balance, and that's what I think. <coughs> all of us in this conversation, all we all, all agree that we have to try to balance this somehow. Right. Um, but the the uh, the one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to make our zoning easier to understand, um, less complicated, and so that you don't have to have an incentive, or that you don't have to go get a special permit to create these buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to do it by right. I like it. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think it would probably save saves everybody money in the end because we want to have more housing. We want to make it affordable. We don't want to make it so that that the housing actually ends up costing more. Well, time is money, and if the <laughs> process takes a year to do versus six months, it's going to be more costly for a year than for six months. Right. right? So. Right. So the thing, the other thing I think about is like the impervious coverage, but there's also one, another aspect that people talk about a lot is the setbacks. Yes. That and was, so that's, that's sort of like you, from every side of your property line, you can, you can, you can't encroach on your neighbor a certain mm -hmm. amount of space, you know, feet. So not only do you have how much impervious coverage you can have is restrictive, but where you can actually place the building and it seems like some of our setbacks are, are so that we could only make these really teeny tiny homes which i love tiny homes but um that's not going to help produce more yeah. housing for people yeah well can i talk on setbacks? absolutely setback? I, I will want you to because <laughs> i feel that the setbacks in gr5 are fine the way they are okay for gr5 for gr5 all right okay. Because what about because you can look at my building there, and you can see how far it is off the street, mm -hmm. and you can see how far it is off the adjoining property to right. the west. I think it's 15 feet. Yep. Yep. And I think it's 20. So yep. those are 20, reasonable. 15, 20. Those are reasonable setbacks for residential GR5. for GR5. Okay. What about in downtown? Because clearly, as you walk down Main Street. Those buildings are neck to neck on each of the property lines. They're up to the sidewalks, etc. To replace that building to try to do the downtown zoning with setbacks, I don't think you can do that, right? You can't, Stephen. And, and you know, I I I I I feel for our downtown. Um, I worked in my parents' travel agency for 17 years at 40 Main Street, which is now part of the school in the 70s. And, uh, you know, we were always trying to pump up downtown because all of us, we wanted it to be vibrant. Mm -hmm. And I saw the story about Victor Pizzini recently, and God rest him, he's doing terrific. And all of the buildings cover the whole lot. Mm -hmm. right? And some of these buildings, if you're going to be developing them for housing, might have to come down right. to provide for the parking. Sure. Banks will not lend. If you have no parking, mm -hmm. they'll look at you. They'll they'll frown on 
on on a, on a mortgage. It's necessary, mm -hmm. whether it's one space or one and a half space. I don't know about the half. Right. I, I don't know if that's healthy or not because, mm -hmm. you know, there's still a fair amount of people that drive, right. and um, so uh, the 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 setbacks in downtown they they could be as they are. I mean, they they exist, right? There there is mm -hmm. no setback to speak. I don't really know. I don't look at the downtown <laughs> yeah. setback. I, have, I, have I know right you in. got the grid there. Uh, well, the side is zero. Right. Um, the front is five. Right. And the rare is 15. Yeah, well, those are pretty healthy. Those are reasonable. So, um, I know that um, Kobe, <clears throat> Kobe and I talked about the front setback sometimes about... Five? About yeah. being able to have some sidewalk space or something. I don't know. Kobe, do you have... Um, do you yeah, have and, and this isn't... Uh, this is off the sidewalk, right? So, one of the things that there's a whole bunch of design elements to a enjoyable, walkable street that, that are really hard to um, picture what it is that makes this place enjoyable. You know it when you're in it, you know it when you see it, um, and uh, some of it um, is that continuous street frontage um, where you do have that wall of um, buildings and large windows right up to the uh, sidewalk, um, you know, it makes the street feel enclosed, right, if, if you have uh, the street height um, at a similar distance, at a similar, if the, if the height is similar to the street width, that you sort of, it helps make the space feel enclosed, you feel safe, it slows the cars down, uh, those are sort of these um, intenable uh, elements that make a, a walkable and vibrant uh, downtown, um, and, and to me, it seems unnecessary um, or, or irresponsible for us for the town to overestimate what those uh, should be. Mm. Uh, and that's what we're talking about here. And I would say the same with parking, right? If a place feels, if a developer feels the need uh, to add a parking spot or two parking spots uh, for, you know, in order to sell the units, fantastic. Go ahead. You guys know uh, better than I. But if they think they that they don't, if they think that someone there would spend the same amount of rent and not need the park, why are we the ones, why is the town the one making it harder and overestimating uh, their need for a car, especially when it's just adding to our traffic and it's taking people away uh, from our, our downtown. Um, so, so that's what you know, we're talking about here, is, is how do we not overestimate uh, the restrictions that we're placing on people in order to allow for you know, the vibrant uh, downtown that we all enjoy uh, when we go other places, as well as when we go to our own downtown. Coming back to one of the pieces on impervious, I think given some of the stormwater mitigations, et cetera, I'm less concerned personally, and this is for discussion with the group, in terms of requiring X amount of impervious coverage, depending upon what the developer is going to be doing with that, because there are a variety of mitigations. So if you even only have the 20%, put it put in kind of, in my terms, 100% mitigation for that 20%, then that might be equivalent to, you know, call it the 35%, 40% with nothing extra done to it, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Summer Street, I have good soil there. Right. Gravel, sand. Correct. Yeah. My drainage is under the parking lot. Right. Not a drop of rainwater goes onto the street. Correct. Yeah. Um, maybe a little <laughs> bit on the, on the initial driveway the front of the house because mm -hmm. that was the front of the house at 47 Summer Street, 1834. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was built before Winter Street was built. Okay. And um, so all my parking is, I mean, all my drainage is under the parking lot. Correct. Including the roof and the gutters. Yeah. So nothing goes on the, so the, the drainage piece is part of the parking lot. Right. Right. And you're allowed to park over drainage. And, and that, I think, is one of the points I was making in terms of if you do require X amount for impervious, but then have the mitigations, right. which there's also, you know, that's part of the other future discussions regarding stormwater, what's the grants, what's the credits, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Yeah, I'm, getting, puts a, in I'm getting a bit of a credit because of that, because I'm not sending yeah. any water down the street. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, has, he has a stormwater system under the... And, and I think your point is... 
is very important, Steve. So, why were these why were these impervious coverage um, regulations put in in the first place? Maybe it was for for runoff into the street. I don't really know, but um, but that's one of the concerns, right? With with mm -hmm. with more storms, with climate change. How do we um, not have a heat sink in the middle of a downtown? Mm -hmm. um, how do we not have floods, right? But to have the stormwater, stormwater systems that Joel has put into his, is kind of like the uh, big Y one, right? Just right. like that same thing. Handling the water yeah. is the number one thing a developer has to do first before anything else. Right. He has to know if he can handle the water. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you know you can do it, then you move forward. You know, and it's all designed on at least a hundred year storm. You know, yeah, so right. it's we have a lot of those now. <laughs> it's unfortunate <laughs> the frequency is increasing, but yeah. But it's but we do get a lot more rain and yes. um and we don't want to put all of the runoff into the street to go down into the into the drains and we want but we want to keep the we want to keep the water here. We mm -hmm. want to refill our our we wells. need our aquifers to right. be healthy. Right. Absolutely. Well, um, they are. And, yep. the, and it's... Um, I think it came back. It's pretty important to think about why these restrictions are there. And and if it is if, if it is for water retention, then we have other ways to do that. Mm -hmm. And so why we don't need to be that strict. Right. Yeah. So right? That, that's what your point. That That's to the extent that are going back to kind of the knob, turning the knobs, yeah. right? You can have kind of the by right that we've talked about. These are the levels, yeah. and then if you go above the level, maybe you get some re relief on the other Benefit. side. Incentives is another term we use, yeah. yeah. right? So, if, and then if you do the impervious at this piece, but you lower, and then you've got the stormwater maintenance system in there, then you can adjust those accordingly. It's not hard and fast. This is exactly what you need to do. It gives you some flexibility to make the property worthwhile for both you and then ultimately it's going to be worthwhile for us. If I could move back to GR5 for a second. By all means. Um, I think GR5 was drawn somewhere between 40 and 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it really hasn't been touched since the day it was put on the table. Put, on, put in the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it hadn't been used that much. Sure. And there really aren't an awful lot of GR5 parcels out there. Right. Um, there's some, but most of them are kind of built on, and there's, there's, or they would involve, I think some of Cottage Street is GR5. I don't know exactly, I don't have the map, but uh, the, that would probably involve maybe adding on to a building or taking a building or doing something to be able to utilize. But one of the key elements of GR5, which makes it very attractive, is one dwelling per thousand square feet. Right. Right. And to get one dwelling per thousand square feet with the parking and with a healthy impervious, yeah. you have to go up. You have to go four stories and up. Mm -hmm. And of course, depending upon where you are, you get into the neighborhood character. Yep. Right. Right. And so that's why, you know, the design review eventually will mm. probably take the place of the special permit um, character. You know, neighborhood character. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I tried to have the new building look like as best I could. The other one, and you know, and the posts and this and that and everything. Right. And so, to to bring that thousand per square feet to twenty seven fifty, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, blowing bugles for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I. I I saw Bruce bring up 2,000. Excuse me, Steve. No, no, it's yeah. quite, I was going to uh, get to that. I saw him yeah. bring up that, and I just used my example of one per 1,666 square feet, and there's not much difference between 1,666 and 2,000. No. You know, it's like 10 sheets of plywood, 12 sheets of plywood. So it's not... Uh, uh, it's not so, significant. So yeah, the 2,750 uh, is, is, is something that actually cuts into your usage. Yes. Right, so but it's if not so if you're gonna if okay. you're gonna have the incentive for more affordable, yeah. You gotta kinda lower that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what I Yeah, I so here's the so that was just that's by right. 
That's not the minimum. That's not a limit at all. That's just what you can do by right. Okay. Because right now everything is special permit. Right. So that so it's not it doesn't say that you can't go up to a thousand or, or down to a down thousand. to a thousand a unit per thousand square feet. Um, it's just like where do we start by right? Mm -hmm. And how do we make it easier? And we have to you know it's the MBTA community. Um, regulations that we have to meet and have to have things by right from I a think, minimum perspective for their from a from minimum their point. perspective yeah, right but there's also um you know kobe's been posting these commonwealth articles and one of the one of the article was um was very important because it said the average has to be 15 units per acre by right the average the average that's the key word <laughs> so that you have to um think about in this the dimensions of the roads are in that, the dimensions of any unbuildable space are in that, the dimensions of um, municipal buildings are in that as well. So really it, it, it ends up that it's probably going to have to be a lot more than 15 by right. Mm. And, um, and that's one of the things we hope to talk about on the 25th, mm -hmm. is like what we put in the dimensions that we have. and. Um, and what what is buildable? What is not buildable? What does the what does the um, units per acre by right have to be so that the average is fifteen? Mm -hmm. And I think we'll probably be it might probably be twenty. And I think that's like downtown commercial. That's what people like. Mm -hmm. People actually like that. Right. So uh, it will be interesting to see when we look at the calculator. Um, Brian Taberner is going to have the calculator hopefully all set up for us mm -hmm. on the twenty fifth. And we'll be able to see what the number has to be by right. And it doesn't mean that you can't go more than that. You just got to apply for a special permit. Yeah, right. right. And now it's everything is a special permit. So right. at so least... We're trying to get away from that a little bit. Correct. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Something that's doable. Right. And we want it to be doable by right. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, Kobe might have something to add to that. Right. Before he has to go. Well, yes, I, I will have to step up. And if there's so many things that we touched upon in this conversation that I think are great. I'll leave with two... Uh, things that I think are important to keep in mind as you listen in on these conversations. Uh, one of them is that uh, much of our zoning historically has been to sort of uh, control things by proxy, where mm -hmm. we were trying to limit density, uh, mm -hmm. we were trying to maintain character, we were worried about stormwater impacts, school impacts, and so we were we added a lot of these Time, Colby. Thank you, yeah, Colby. And, and given given the nature of the conversation, that may be more. Oh, I think yeah. We'll 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 keep we'll continue this. I think this is really important. I'll see you tonight. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, what Colby said is is true. It's um, it's not the maximum. It's the minimum, right? So it's like we we just want to. It's hard for people to understand. It's it's um, because we zone a certain way doesn't mean it's going to be built. One of the other things, right? Mm -hmm. um, we want to make it. We want to simplify it because it just seems too convoluted and too many chances for a special permit here. And to me, it just seems like there's a lot of time that gets wasted in these things, and there's a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, so if we make 
we make it, if we simplify it and make it easier for developers to develop, builders to build, and, and um, also to, to have that design committee involved in it to make sure that it fits in the in the neighborhood the character yeah. the character then we may we we might actually so our goal is to actually to produce more housing right so what we want to do is to do that we <laughs> right? mm -hmm. we don't want to no. make it we want to simplify it so we actually get more things that are built we want to we we need more density downtown we have all these people we've talked about this before that you know we need all levels of of housing, middle income, you know, affordable, <laughs> and it, we just the state, the town, every we all need more housing, right? In all different levels, and so we want to make it so that it's actually doable. Yeah, and right. that's 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 the hard part, mm -hmm. right? Well, because <laughs> as we were discussing here, of course, there's many moving pieces, yeah, and they are interrelated. So that's where it, that idea of kind of the concept of you, if you turn the wheels, one wheel here, you can turn that one there. Yeah. Ultimately, like. you want to get the right outcome. That's the key yeah. piece. And we're just going to have to uh, juggle and, and bring people along to what are the wheels that we can turn and where should we turn them. And, and I think, I know that um, Joel had mentioned, and, and you too, Steve, that um, Joe Halligan had stood up and, and um, you know, and he spoke about this as well. And, you know, we did ask him to come. Um, and join us and maybe he'll join us at a future conversation and um, and it, it's just it's really important to me to to get to a point where we all understand each other mm -hmm. and and how you, somebody looks at a lot and and what's possible there mm -hmm. and 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 so I think we probably in a way we all uh, under agree with each other but we just don't know we do yet well, I, I think you know what the solutions are, because you've been on this for a while. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> no, but you, think, you're on it. I'm you're on, I it. think you're, I'm on it. You're tuned I think, in. I think I'm on it. I just want but other people... But how's the other ED members? How I'm, do they... I'm like, I want to... I'm, I'm trying to bring everyone yeah. along with me. Yeah. And, um, and and it's... I think, you know, like, I've, I have gone on this journey, and I've tried to understand, and I was at a different place. And so I think it's very important to be able to admit, like, mm -hmm. oh, I learned a lot and I changed my mind. And, like, this is really, right. it's, it's a really important, especially when we're talking about a community and a town of 31,000 people that we have to take, we have to, you know, process all this information. Mm -hmm. And it's... Um, I guess it depends on how much time you want to spend on it, and how and how passionate you want to be about serving your community. But well, it's like it's really super important. Mm -hmm. No, it is. I'm glad you feel that way. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think and thank you for certainly taking time to join in this conversation because I think it's key that we put kind of the two things in perspective, at least in terms of telling the story, taking people along the journey. Yeah. You've seen the town in its journey in your life cycle. I have. And we're, now we're looking at you to give some insights and guidance to the, the others that are in, now in the decision process as to where the journey is going to continue for the town. And as we've already referenced in here, when you built the house in 2011, the market was different than it is today. The needs of the community then were still, to a certain extent, they were and they were fine but now the needs of the community have changed i think we've got 80 percent residential yeah. and the market mix of that needs to get more maybe 85 90 whatever but within the 80 percent residential we need the different housing stock so it's not just single family it's multi-family apartment etc because yeah. i'm one of the examples where my kids are gone i'm still in the two-story colonial and i'm blocking some of the others to come through yeah but there's nowhere near for me to yet go to to stay within i Franklin. understand Stephen. a lot of people are in their houses today because they have no place to go right and, and they and they they realize that if they rent something that's like a condominium right they're going to have to pay that condo fee sure and that condo fee is six thousand dollars a year yeah that's that's so, a big expense you know, 500 a month mm -hmm. in addition to the rent. Sure. So 
It's more it, than a mortgage. It, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. If you can if you can later on find a reasonable place without paying between two and three thousand mm-hmm. dollars a month. Right. Because they're doing that. Yes. Um, you know, some people have the wherewithal to do that. Right. But there are others. Their money is in their home, their three bedroom cape or their raised ranch. Mm-hmm on a street off a of Pond Street or Lincoln Street right. mm-hmm. and they say to themselves, well geez I'm getting tired of the upkeep, I think I'll sell the house everybody's, of course not in this environment, interest rates have to come down a little right. bit, yeah. it's probably a year away. But So uh, that's where the affordability comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the choice, the kind of, there's no choice out there for people. Right. Right. Well, one of the episodes that I recorded a couple of weeks ago, Ted Cormier Ledger, also a realtor, um, he had done some market piece and he pulled it of, and I think it's called it rough numbers, 12,000 buildings, 10,000 residential units, 2,700 of those residential units have been owner occupied for more than 20 years. Oh yeah. So I'm not the only one in no, that situation, right? Yeah. Which on the other side, that gives us the opportunity that there is a market for more than just me to get into that other range of housing options. Now, clearly, some people are going to have the wherewithal to do more. Some people are going to want to leave because of other factors. That's all well and good. But, like, you know, if the grandkids are here or in the area, you want to stay with those, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we have to provide a better set of choices, to your word, that yeah. in, in order to people can... People like different things. Like I don't. Really that's housing. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. housing. Yeah. That is it's not housing. a one size fits all. And, I, and, um, and Kobe sent me a couple of of um, articles from like from the newspapers in 1961, 1972, and the redesign of downtown that never happened. And um, right. you know, will Franklin become an apartment town? And and so it seems like there's always been this. Um, this sort of um, struggle mm-hmm. from becoming this rural farm town to a more urban. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're there. Change is difficult yeah. at any time. Yeah, and so there. But it, I think we're there. Joel's right. But it, it just is. It's always been. It's a, I think it happens everywhere. Right? Right. There's yes, always it does. that. That um, and does. so that's that's the thing. Like change to me, change is coming. It always it, it happens all the time. Um, that's you know we're always evolving, you know, and and so it change is coming. It's very difficult for a lot of people, but that's why we want to guide the change. That's mm-hmm. why we want to make it the way we want it to be. And um, how do we do that? And that's where to me these zoning changes come in. Right. 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 These are the levers that we have in our. This is these realm are the tools to, in our toolbox to, to actually to actually get the change that we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right. So cool. that's kind of. So thanks. Thank you for for being here and happy in, to come. Thank you for <laughs> inviting me. Yeah. I you mean, know. it's it's important for people to think about and sit down and instead of just dismissing it. Yeah. So thank yeah. you, listeners, for listening along with us today. Um, stay tuned for the continued discussion in these podcasts in the Economic Development Meeting, which the next one is January 25th, and there'll be more. Starts at 6. It's going to be a long one. We have a three-hour three hour window. Time block. Because you, you, yeah. you really need more time to get into these Absolutely. kinds of discussions. I think we were all really close to a close to some agreements and a really good discussion and then we had to stop right and it seems like it gets frustrating for all of us I saw that you ran out of time yeah, yeah. we run out of time a lot and I saw but that. it's important and I don't want yeah. I don't want any of the members on the committee to feel rushed nope. and and so right um, so we've because these things are really hard and they we need to take the time to talk about it so we're um, so yeah we have a three-hour window if we don't need it all then we don't have to take it but you know it'll probably be one of our last meetings if not our last um steering me- committee meeting before we go into the master plan and there's so many other 
committees that are coming up. There is so um, much on the plate. I have, uh, so, but I want to continue. I, w I do want to continue this yeah. with this group of people because we have um, forged these relationships. It only took a year, <laughs> and um, but I think we all understand each other a lot better, yeah. and I think it's going to help us in the future. Sure, it's going to help everything. Melanie, using your educated experience and guess here in this situation, how far off is this? with whatever you folks come up with eventually uh, before you send it to the council? Three months, four months, six oh. months, one month? Do you have any ideas? I, I, I feel like we're really close to a lot of, to coming up with agreement, to, to finding a consensus. And so when, once that happens, it all depends if, we, if it's gonna go to we have like the, all the we have like the MBTA community thing, and then we have the, the rest of the downtown that we want to talk about, and then the inclusionary zoning is kind of a separate thing, but it's all tied together. Um, and then there's uh, auxiliary dwelling units we want to talk about, and and so like there are pieces that can go through the process mm -hmm. um, to then to the council that will go then to the planning board for another hearing, you know. Um, but we have to get to this. We have to get through our next meeting with some agreements. Yes, mm -hmm. um, that's why you got time. Right. That's you why got, we have more time. Right. I yeah. think we're really super close, and yeah. so. Um, yeah, from my observation, I think you're aware. Yeah, maybe too. maybe Steve knows. <laughs> from my observation, and clearly, once they <laughs> recommend it to the council, council goes to planning board. Planning board brings it back. That's <sighs> approximately a two-month cycle. Yeah. Two to three, yeah. if depending upon the tweaks in between. To the extent that if they've got two to three of the key pieces, you know, probably by August, September, yeah. things could be in effect in reality, and then some others will be following that kind of mm. cycle as they move through the process. Right, that's mm. true. Yeah. So, that, my estimate. Yeah, Very I, good. I try not to do forecasting. I try to focus know, on my I, reporting. It's, it's but hard <laughs> to, it's, it is hard to forecast, but it does, t it takes time. Yeah. Um, it's, and it's, it's important. To take the time, I think one of the that's. Well, that's why you got three hours on the twenty fifth, uh, whatever date you got. That's yeah. that's going to be good. Yeah. Because that's an off council night, so it is. that's Correct. why. Correct. That's why your uh, stopwatch was running uh, yes. at quarter of seven. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and I and I think we all we all feel a little we all get a little frustrated, um, because we have to stop our discussions, especially when we get to a point where. Where it, you know, you, you get can, into the middle you, of things, and then all of a sudden, ah, but it's it it's okay. I think you know we've we've, like I said, I think we've built a great relationship with this group of people, mm -hmm. um, and it it's can a good cross section, and it can only help uh, the future of Franklin, and what we do next. And right. I feel like it's going to help the next zoning changes and the next thing areas that we want to talk about, like Forge Park, and um, you know more of. Route 140 and what happens, and so it—it's really good. I think what we've done mm -hmm. is really super important. And, and and if we go into the master plan, um, if some of us are together in that, then that we've already we've already built those relationships where we trust each other and we and we can just like go for it. And the master plan for reference is going to bring together some of the pieces like the house and production plan, yeah. the open space and rec plan, which is now starting its update. It's going to bring that. That in itself is going to be an 18-month or so process of hearings, evaluations, yeah. forums, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned, listeners. There's lots to come. <laughs> it never ends. It never and it's ends. a good thing. It never ends, right? Yeah. It keeps us busy. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, thank you all again. Thank you. And Thank we you. do this, of course, because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008. 
and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.